There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. Your weekend home for all things sport. This is The Grill on Dubai Eye 103.8. Live from Barasti. Here's Tom Urquhart. Yeah, good to have you with us here today for uh, this uh, edition of The Grill. We're broadcasting live from Barasti where the game is always on. We're back up on the rooftop. We're upstairs. We're outside. So the season is well and truly upon us, uh, as you can see by mine, Carlos's and Danny's tops at the moment. We're feeling the heat, that's for sure, as are Ireland. Uh, let's get a rugby update for you from Carlos van Rosenfeld. They are feeling the heat, Tom. <laughs> they are feeling the heat. And as I say, say that uh, the left winger of New Zealand, George Bush, diving over for another five-pointer. Uh, Rory McIlroy can hardly keep his eyes open. Him and Shane Lowry, of course, at the International in Japan today. New Zealand, leading Ireland, 41 points to 7, 79 minutes played. As I said, it's been a New Zealand affair today in Tokyo and uh, New Zealand will progress to the semi-finals where they will take England, who beat Australia a little bit early on this afternoon, 40 points to 16. Also feeling the heat today are uh, West Ham United. They've got the early kickoff in the Premier League. They're up in Liverpool against Everton at the moment. Danny Norton. And it's 1-0 to the host, Everton. Uh, Bernard scoring an absolutely wonderful goal. He uh, got in behind the Hammers' back line. He was fed by a beautifully disguised pass by uh, the very lively Theo Walcott. Bernard, when it looked as though he was going to take the pass with a first-time shot on his right foot, decided instead to twist and turn a few times he then took the ball and he looked as though he was going to run out of, out of play however he somehow managed to get his foot around the ball poke it past the onrushing West Ham goalkeeper Roberto Jimenez from an extremely tight angle a really tremendous goal that Lionel Messi would be proud of I have to say that and Everton I think probably good value for their lead so far we're just about uh, just over half an hour into the game it remains Everton 1 West Ham 0 speaking of Lionel Messi he is of course playing for Barcelona right at this moment in time they are away at a tiny eye bar at their 7,000 seat stadium second half just kicking off Barcelona leading 1-0 thanks to Antoine Griezmann's goal after 10 minutes he raced onto a long ball uh, by Lengley he was uh, jostling with an eye bar defender who slipped and they managed to poke the ball home that went in off the post uh, so Barcelona won eye bar nil and Barcelona have won 19 of their last 20 La Liga games in which they were leading at half time the only exception being a four-all draw at Villarreal in April so not looking too good for Ibar it looks as though Barcelona will be heading back to the top of La Liga Goals are plenty up in Blackburn as well. We'll get your goal scorers from Blackburn against Huddersfield, where it's one apiece at present uh, in just a few moments' time. Just to also let you know what's happening in the cricket, though. India against South Africa, uh, day one of the third Test match, uh, got underway a little earlier on today over in India. And at the close, it was India yet again who were in a dominant position. Uh, they are 224 for the loss of three wickets. The three wickets to go down were Agarwal, Pajara, and, of course, the danger man, Virat Kohli. However, when one doesn't score, somebody else does. And that seems to be the case today uh, with Rohit Sharma. Uh, we're on the scoreboard with 117. Uh, and Ajinka Rahane also in the runs today. 83 runs for Rahane. They're the two men still at the crease at the moment. Uh, the wickets, two of them going to Rabada, one going to Noche a little uh, earlier today. It's been a torrid old series for the South Africans against India. They've been terrible to, to just to put a plane out there. And uh, yeah, Tom, I don't know. South Africa just 
seem to be struggling at this moment in time. They, they just can't get any momentum going. There's no combinations going. And we all know that India is a very difficult place to play. But uh, South Africa has been very, very disappointing. And even after the, the, the World Cup, I know we're talking about different formats now. I think the South African cricket board really have to take a serious look at themselves and uh, really decide where, 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 where to from now. Because at this moment in time, I don't believe that South African cricket is in a very good place. We mentioned earlier they're having goals in the championship. Danny Norton's got those details for us. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So Huddersfield Town, they took the lead away at uh, Blackburn Rovers. Carlin Grant converted a penalty that was given away by Elias uh, Bennett. But then the host levelled matters. Lewis Holtby uh, left off the shot from the centre of the box to the centre of the goal, assisted by Bradley uh, Duck there. And there's actually been another goal in the last few moments. Blackburn Rovers have turned the game on its head. They now lead by two goals to one. Bradley Duck the man who set up the uh, the opening goal for Blackburn Rovers, a right-footed shot from outside the box to uh, the bottom right-hand corner. He was assisted by the man who he assisted for their opening goal, Lewis Holby. So Blackburn Rovers 2, Huddersfield Town 1 in this early game in the Championship today. It's the old quid pro quo, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You know, okay, I'll help you. There, there we go. We go. <laughs> uh, I went down to the ICC Cricket Academy yesterday, uh, not to play or anything before you even get uh, you know worried about something like that, but to have a look at some of the qualifiers. They got underway. The, this is the T20 qualifiers ongoing here in Dubai uh, and Abu Dhabi. Uh, the good news about this, if you're a cricket fan, do get down either to the ICC Academy or uh, the Sheikh Zayed Stadium, Cricket Stadium in Abu Dhabi. Completely free to get in. Nice crowd down there yesterday. Not a big crowd. I went to watch Scotland against Singapore in the early start yesterday. So we were down at the sevens for a bit of uh, sevens to, for a bit of rugby training early doors, and then off to the cricket to watch some uh, uh, international cricket. And good, it was really good. Nice little setup. Um, uh, uh, the only thing that wasn't good was Scotland, who lost to Singapore yesterday in their opener. They're in action again today against Kenya. So we're going to keep an eye on those for you. But it's great to see these sort of events here in the UAE. I highly recommend people take advantage of them because not every day that you get to see international cricket being played. Absolutely, and the thing for today as well is you can actually see two games if you head down there. Like you mentioned, Scotland currently taking on Kenya. Scotland uh, setting the Kenyans a victory target of 171 after they made 170 for six in their innings. Kenya currently 18 without loss. But then you can also see as well the Netherlands against Namibia. Netherlands uh, scoring 140 for six in their innings and Namibia so far on 21 for two. But it's amazing that you've got this uh, location right here that you can go down and see. And you can go, go down and see a number of games. And you've even got down in Shakeside Stadium as well, down in Abu Dhabi, Jersey taking on Nigeria. So plenty of ICC World 2020 qualifiers taking place in the UAE. And, you know, just to see the, this kind of level of uh, cricket here. You know, obviously it's, it's not like kind of the top level of cricket, but, you know, it's still excellent, good fun to go and watch. You know, I used to live just over the road uh, from the ICC Academy in Sports City. Went down a few times to go kind of watch games like this. And it's just nice, isn't it? You know, I mean, I know you've been a cricket fan your whole life, Tom, and there's not much better than just going and just having a nice relaxed day watching some cricket. You know, it's very different to kind of when you go to watch rugby or football where it's quite intense. You know, you can't really take your eyes off the action and that, but you can kind of go, you can go with your mates, you can, you know, just have a nice... Uh, nice couple of uh, glasses of grape perhaps and just kind of chill out just taking the action get a bit of sun while you're down there and it's not much better for me no it's great and it's been it was a good it was a good experience apart from that result as i mentioned but it was interesting uh, i mean it's a world-class facility and that's why it's used by uh, clubs and, uh, and national teams the world over but interesting as well seeing the warm-up uh, more tries more points <laughs> They just don't stop, Tom. We said it earlier on. The New Zealand All Blacks are absolutely relentless. 
Yes, it's the 78th minute and they're still scoring tries. Jordy Barrett, you know what? If Baden can't score, throw it out to brother Jordy. He'll get a five-pointer for us. And as I say, I say that, New Zealand, 46 points to 14 with a conversion to come. They're absolutely annihilating the Irish. Yeah, so those two results for you from yesterday. Scotland losing to Singapore. A bit of a shock in the opener uh, down there at the ICC Cricket Academy. Singapore winning by two runs yesterday against Scotland. Same Scotland who beat England in uh, an ODI earlier on this year ahead of the uh, Cricket World Cup that they went on to win. But uh, if you look at the form book, that one didn't go according to plan. Uh, the one that did go according to plan was the Netherlands straight after that. They took on Kenya. Uh, and it was just fascinating watching the Netherlands because they were warming up straight after the Scotland game. And I was down there with my son Gus as well. Um, and some pretty intense, you know, warm-ups going on on the outfield. But you're right up close against the action as well, getting to interact with the players. And he turned around to me and said, um, Dad, why is, why is all the Netherlands team from South Africa? <laughs> so, well, there is a bit of a link there, isn't there? But I think basically the Netherlands are South Africa B. A bit, a bit like your Scottish rugby team, eh? A bit like the Scottish <laughs> rugby team. Well, a bit like the England cricket team as well, isn't it? You know, I mean, but, I mean there is that feeder system, isn't there, with Colpat players and a lot of South Africans playing their cricket in the county championship over in the UK, but also club cricket across Europe. Yeah, absolutely, Tom. I think it's, you know, I always say a lot of people have got a lot of objections to this. I mean, if you look at the Rugby World Cup, 25% of players playing the Rugby World Cup were born in New Zealand, yeah. interestingly enough. But to me, I think if it's within the rules of the game, I'm, I'm all for it. If you can't make it in your own country, of course, there's the likes of Jonathan Trott, Kevin Peterson. I don't know if you watched the documentary, The Edge, which is all about the England, uh, England uh, test team. Absolutely fantastic. And to me, you know, if, if, if it's within the rules of the game and you can apply your trade in, in the Netherlands or Ireland or wherever it might be, you know, go ahead. I think it's fantastic for the game where you can mix all these different cultures uh, within sport. And to me, that's what makes sports fantastic. It, 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 it is interesting uh, getting the, the opportunity to see them, but also getting the opportunity to see, you know, nations that you wouldn't ordinarily expect to see playing cricket. I mean, I didn't know Singapore had a cricket team, but they turned over Scotland, who one of the more established cricket teams in the ICC affiliate uh, system. Uh, Ireland won by eight wickets yesterday, as they were expected to. They were playing against Hong Kong. Uh, and Oman, with a very impressive victory down in Abu Dhabi last night against the United Arab Emirates. Oman, 109 for three from 18.2 overs in reply to uh, the United Arab Emirates, 108 for nine. Now, agreed, for those that have been reading the news reports, uh, UAE cricket with a few problems to sort out at present, uh, which we won't go into in too many details here uh, on the show, but obviously a few issues there. And, uh, I mean, this, 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 this qualifier couldn't come of a worse time for them with a few of the issues and the question marks around UAE cricket at present, as was borne out by that result against Oman yesterday. And the issue just gets even more difficult later on this evening because they have to play Ireland later on today as well. So some big games, but would highly recommend anyone, if you're into your cricket, to get down there and check them out because it makes for a good afternoon out, a, a, good, a good day out, in fact, because you get not one, not two, but possibly three games in one day. Absolutely. And the other thing as well is obviously it's going to be a crack, cracking atmosphere, I suppose, uh, later on tonight down in the capital at Shakeside Stadium as uh, Ireland do host, uh, do take on the host, the UAE. 7.30, that one uh, gets underway later on. But the UAE, I suppose, obviously disappointing defeat to Oman, but they'll be looking at certainly their last two games in the uh, qualifying group stage against Hong Kong and Jersey. They've had a few close encounters 
encounters with Hong Kong over the last few years and I think they'll be looking at those two games at least and thinking they are games they, they can take maximum points from. I mean it's a difficult time like you say for UAE cricket at this moment but I think if you look at the big picture certainly I've been in the UAE for f nearly five years now and I think the way that the sport has grown even just in my time here has been very impressive. We've seen more and more players come through the system. I think we've seen the kind of the, the system itself grow and improve so you know disappointing results uh, last night but you know still I think overall still reason to be optimistic for the future of UAE cricket. Uh, the noise you can hear behind us there is well, it's the Irish uh, all the way over in Japan as well creating a bit of a stir here in the UAE. Uh, look Ireland have been played off the park by New Zealand uh, but their fans have been amazing not just in this game but in the tournament and just showing their appreciation for their skipper there who I believe is also retiring after this game. Yeah Rory Best will be calling it a day and I think you know that, those cheers were just to thank him for for the, for the duties that he's done to Irish rugby. Of course, he was instrumental in those two victories over New Zealand in, in 2016 and 2017. It took him 111 years, of course, to beat the All Blacks. And uh, as you say, then the, the, the crowd just really showing their support for Rory Best there. Not the best day out there, but a great, great servant of Irish rugby, Tom. Uh, we'll take a short break when we come back. We are around the grounds for you. Uh, we've got early's in the Premier League Championship over in Spain. The rugby's done and dusted, but still plenty more to discuss. This is The Grill, live from Barasti, where the game is always on. Another goal to report for you. Danny Norton's got the details. Yeah, this one is over in Spain. The early game in La Liga today. Ibar hosting Barcelona, and it's now Barcelona 2, Ibar 0. It's that man, Lionel Messi, with the second goal for the Spanish champions. Lovely build-up play by the Catalans on the edge of the area. The ball's fed into Luis Suarez. Can't quite get it under control. It bundles over towards Antoine Griezmann, who plays an absolutely sumptuous little flick round the corner to Lionel Messi. He kind of used the outside of his foot without even looking he obviously just knew that Messi was there and just slipped the ball through to the Argentinian maestro who then slotted home with the left foot and like into the bottom corner of the Ibar goal a wonderful wonderful all-round team goal from the Spanish champions and after one hour it is Ibar nil Barcelona 2. Uh, keep an eye on that one for you. Uh, we keep an eye on uh, the rugby throughout the course uh, of the afternoon. It's all come to a conclusion now. Yeah, Tommy, what, what we can tell you is that New Zealand will be facing England in the first of the semi-final in Rugby World Cup 2019 in Japan. New Zealand have just seen off Ireland 46 points to 14. And England beat Australia earlier on 40 points to 16. Those of you, of course, who are interested in the Gallagher Premiership at 6 o'clock this evening, Worcester Warriors take on Leicester Tigers, Sale Sharks take on Gloucester, Exeter Chiefs take on Harlequins, and Saracens take on Northampton Saints. Also games in France in the top 14, Montpellier will take on Toulouse at a 5.30 kickoff. At 8 o'clock kickoff, it's Brief taking on Bordeaux, Argent taking on Stade Francais, but Pau taking on Castres, Toulon taking on Bayonne, and La Rochelle taking on Racing 92 in the late kickoff. Uh, so let's just uh, mark your card as to what you can expect in the coming uh, days. We know the first two, uh, well, we know the identities of the first two semi-finalists for the World Cup this year, England against New Zealand. That game is scheduled for next Saturday at midday, is that right? 
I presume it will be at midday. I would say 11.15 kickoff, Tom. Nine o'clock uh, local time, so GMT, yeah, so midday, 12 o'clock. Uh, that being because, I'm just trying to work this one out, Danny, the clock's going back not next weekend, the following weekend, isn't it? I think so. It's always at the end of October. Last weekend, typically, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So you're still in tomorrow uh, with, with next weekend, 26th of October. Um, I think England against New Zealand midday, so make sure you start making plans now as to where you're going to watch that game because it promises to be a cracker and also a series definer, a competition definer for both of those two teams. Yeah, absolutely, Tom. I think I actually kind of think that's going to be the final of the tournament, to, to be honest with you. It's, it's really going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal game. I think two teams are going to throw it at each other. And to me, if I look at the teams on form at the moment, it's one team that possibly, a big possibility, could upset the New Zealand All Blacks. But my word, are they in fine form as they're going to the semi-final next Saturday? Uh, that's what to look forward to uh, next weekend. Uh, so do stay uh, tuned to Dubai 103.8 for details and build up ahead of that. You mentioned the, the Gallagher Premiership. That's back this weekend. Uh, there was a game last night, the season opener. Yes. Uh, which has become something of a traditional season opener. It's exactly the same game last season. Uh, 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 and again, um, uh, uh, an interesting result. And exactly the same result as last season, if memory serves me correct, I tell you what, quite a surprise result. It's the Bristol Bears beating Bath 43 points to 16. And uh, as I say, phenomenal start to the season by the Bristol Bears. We know that uh, they've kind of got a lot of the old foe over there. And these boys are really doing very, very well for them. And as you say, of course, yes, Bath don't have all these superstars. They're on duty for England and Japan at the moment. But a fantastic opener for the Bears. 43 points to 16. And as I say, we've got some mouth-watering encounters starting at 6 o'clock this evening. My pick... My pick of the encounters would be Sail Sharks taking on Gloucester. Sail to watch out again for this. I'm not sorry, as, as a surprise package, but in terms of who is going to dominate the Gallagher Premiership again, are we talking about the same old boys? Is it going to be uh, Saris? Is it going to be Exeter? Yeah, I think, you know, Saris at the end of the day, Tom. I think what will be, what will be interesting, as long as England stay in the World Cup, will determine a lot of these results, because, of course, Saris won't be, out, uh, won't be with their full, full team. So to me, Sales Sharks have made a, a couple of big signings, uh, predominantly a lot of South African boys which will be playing for them. Your beloved Gloucester under Johanna Ackerman has really done superbly well. They've actually not lost too many players to the England team, so I kind of fancy them. They were in the top four next year, so I kind of fancy Sales Sharks, Gloucester, of course, with Saris and Exeter. I think those four will be fighting it out. There's been a lot of chat in the off-season about salary caps, about the way that Saris do their business. There was uh, you know, rumours doing the rounds that other clubs were unhappy with the way that Sarri seemed to get round the rules and regulations of the RFU uh, to do their business. There was even the suggestion of a threat of a couple of teams refusing to play them or pulling out of the Gallagher Premiership. Obviously, that's not come to a head. But is there anything in that? Jealousy makes you nasty. That's, that's, that's all I can say, Tom. I think what... Uh what Saracens have done is, and, and, and I'm a firm believer of it, and yeah, a lot, of, a lot of people have got a lot of things to say about Saracens, but they are kind of equipped, equipping rugby players for, for, for life after rugby. And uh, even players like Alistair Hargreaves that, are, that, have, that have left the club early, you know, they've supported him in starting. I think he's got some brewery going in, in, in the UK. We know that, that Bradley Barrett, their current captain, has got coffee shops going. So uh, they have been very instrumental in supporting these guys or getting these guys into businesses after rugby and to me that's so so important we read of a lot of these rugby players and when it comes to retirement they don't know what to do with their lives they often run out of money so to me I really think that's a fantastic initiative of Nigel Ray and, and, and the boys at Saracens really looking after looking after these players and of course making sure they progress after their rugby careers 
And in terms of the other tournaments, it's been interesting, isn't it? Obviously, we've had the Premiership Cup action, which has been ongoing over the course of the last uh, few weeks. Um, but that, you know, that pales into insignificance of some of the action that we've seen uh, in the rest of the, 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 the rest of Europe. Top 14 has been going on for the last five or six weeks now. We talk about France over at the Rugby World Cup, but also the fact that there are so many international players playing in the top 14 at the moment. Uh, that's got to be a huge pressure on the clubs over there. Yeah, well, I think what, what a lot of these players have done is they've signed a lot of super rugby players for this, uh, this small part of, of the World Cup. I know Damien Willems, of course, he was with Saracens. Uh, th then he had to get called over to the South African squad. There's a lot of players which are playing, as you say, Tom, in the top 14 from Australia, New Zealand or South Africa that are filling in. But yeah, it puts huge, huge pressure on these clubs. And that's why I kind of think that it could cause a, a few upsets in the beginning of the tournament and uh, I think uh, no result like, like, like the, the one that started the tournament yesterday nobody expected Bristol to normally beat Bath I mean Bath is such a stalwart and uh, I reckon it opens up the tournament a little bit with having not all these players available and we should see a couple of surprising results come the start of the tournament Six games in the top 14 for you this afternoon uh, games we show down here uh, at Barastia a little later on in proceedings as well Montpellier against Toulouse Augean against Stade Francais Brive they're taking on Bordeaux Begle uh, Po are at home to Castres Toulon at home to Bayonne and La Rochelle against Racing 92 in what is a very sort of topsy-turvy top 14 at the moment just for the very reason that, Mark, that uh, CBR was talking about there the fact that some of the major clubs your likes of Racing your likes of, uh, uh, of, of, of the Paris teams have lost a number of players and therefore it's the teams like Poe it's the teams like um, La Rochelle those that haven't really lost that many players who are performing in top 14 in the early part of the season yeah, we can clearly see it. Some I think you know the, the, these teams which have lost fewer players have got a lot more consistency. And uh, you know, as you said, the two lines, the Racing 92s, the two losers, they've got a lot of players which, of course, are play, applying their duty at uh, at the World Cup. So to me, it makes the competition a lot more open. But I think the big guns come January, come February, they will start hitting back in these competitions. But nonetheless, some fantastic rugby to be seen. Even in the Pro 14, I was watching the, the Cheetahs the, the other night playing in, uh, in South Africa against, I think it was uh, Cardiff or the Scarlet, should I rather say. And uh, yeah, absolutely fantastic, uh, fantastic rugby to watch. Uh-oh, I don't like it when Danny Norton looks at me like this. <laughs> Well, don't worry, it's not your hammers. They're at least in half-time at the moment. So we do out for the second half of their Premier League encounter at Goodison Park in around about five minutes. This is over in Spain, La Liga, where Barcelona, the champions, are away to tiny Ibar. I say tiny because the uh, attendance there today is around about 7,025 people. And uh, Barcelona are now three goals to nil up. It's a wonderful bit of basically unselfish play from Lionel Messi. Ibar have pushed all the way up. They've left so much space in behind. And the ball is quickly played through towards Lionel Messi who's through on goal with no eyeball defender anywhere near him but he's got Luis Suarez to his left hand side and he very unselfishly plays it to the Uruguayan who has an empty net to slot it home to so it's eyeball nil Barcelona three and of course that means that all three of their major superstar forwards Antoine Griezmann Lionel Messi and Luis Suarez have all got the names on the score sheet so far today but yeah with uh, 25 minutes remaining eyeball nil Barcelona 
a couple of the other rugby games that you can look forward to over the weekend. Obviously, quarterfinals tomorrow, 11.15 Wales against France, and then your 2.15 kickoff Japan against South Africa. Gallagher English Premiership tomorrow, 6 o'clock in the evening. Wasps against London Irish, and the top 14, just the one game for you. Uh, that one off at 6.30 tomorrow. Uh, Claremont Auvergne taking on Lyon. Quick word on London Irish, bit of a yo-yo team, back up in the uh, Gallagher Premiership again. They've been relegated twice, they've come back up twice a season after of investment down at London Irish however they've had a poor uh, run of form in the Premiership Cup whether that's just a tee up for the, the main action that gets underway uh, a little later on uh, today uh, and of course tomorrow remains to be seen give my hope yeah well I guess you know lovely ground isn't it Lo- lovely part of London where, where, where London Irish is situated and as you said Tom at the end of the day, as much as we hate to admit it or run away from it, uh, money does play a big, big factor in uh, in, in well, It's in an interesting weeks. one because they're playing at Reading, aren't they, for the beginning of the season. I think in January, then's the shift over to Brentford because they've done a ground share with Brentford Football Club. Yeah. Literally, just as you're coming in from Heathrow on that M4, you can see the stadium. It's very, very true. But uh, I think, yeah, they've signed a couple of players. I think, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they go. Will they contend for the for, for, for the top four so I don't think so but I think they'll be there and there about from a relegation perspective I do believe they'll stay up uh, what about uh, Leicester as well had an appalling season last year obviously change at the helm uh, Jordan Murphy but something of a club legend in to try and steer Leicester out of problems uh, but you know they were in a relegation uh, scrap last season um, one to forget do you think they can put that behind them I don't know I think it's going to be tough for them I just feel that Leicester are, are, are especially if you look at their squad they, they're a little bit behind should I say the top four and I think they're going to struggle Tom I think they could get back into the top half when I say you know the, the, in, in the top ten but I doubt that they will be a serious contender if you just kind of look at the competition that, that league's becoming so competitive at the moment and as I say especially with the normally smaller teams like the Gloucesters and the Sales Sharks of this world they, they, they're really really coming in with some big big names in, in their team so I still think it will be another bit of a dismal season for Leicester Tigers those are the thoughts of Carlos Van Roosevelt, Danny Norton also alongside us. We're going to take a short break when we come back. We'll have uh, more sport for you listening to The Grill live from Barassi up here on the rooftop. If you are heading down here to watch your sport, then come on down and be part of what is a buzzing atmosphere here at the moment. This is The Grill, live from Barasti, where the game is always on. Yeah, live from Barasti indeed, and plenty of live sport around the UAE at the moment. The uh, T20 World Cup qualifiers ongoing down here in Dubai and Abu Dhabi at present. The Arabian Gulf League is back in action after the international break as well. Uh, and we've also got the return of Gridiron, is that right? Yeah, of course. Uh, NFL, as they call it, Tommy. And what I can tell you is the Dubai Spartans defeated the Abu Dhabi Titans 16-14. Touchdown scored by Abu Dhabi by Vivaldi Tulisi, and of course the touchdown for uh, Dubai got scored by Mauricio Madrid. That's the Emirates Gridiron League. Yours truly, should I, or should I say yours truly, good friend of the show, Russ Christ, is the voice of the NFL year in uh, in the UAE. So please make sure you check out the calendar, get down to some of those games. But as I say, yesterday was the opener. It's the Dubai Spartans that defeated the Abu Dhabi Titans 16-14. Tickets on sale for the Emirates Airline Dubai Rugby Sevens. It's a biggie this year. It's the 50th anniversary, first week or first weekend of December. All the action and a few changes as well this year, Carlos van Rosenfeld. I know you've been uh, a man who's played in it, a man who's been uh, seen there uh, working and, of course, enjoying yourself as well. Uh, three days now 
obviously a new remit by World Rugby that the men's and the women's um, competitions must run simultaneously. And rather, as before, we used to have it on the Friday and the Saturday, uh, for the men's at least. Women's were becoming in on the Thursday as well. Uh, now we will see it over Thursday, Friday and Saturday. Good addition? Personally, for myself, no, Tom. I don't know if I can handle three days down there, but <laughs> no. In all honesty, Tom, I think it's I think it's fantastic to see what the IRB and 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 so forth are doing for the game. And yeah, I, I just feel the women's game is growing. So you know, give it the exposure that it needs. It'll be interesting to see how they go with the new format. But we always know that uh, the Emirates Airlines uh, Sevens, as you say, the 50th anniversary this year. It's always a phenomenal tournament. I don't believe it will hamper anything. I think it will just add to the atmosphere down there at the Sevens Stadium. And once again, as always, Tommy, I'm looking very, very forward to it. Yeah, looking forward to that one as well. Uh, Danny Norton, got your Kylie tickets yet? <laughs> uh, not quite for that one, but I mean, it's just a tremendous event on the whole anyways. And like you mentioned, 50 years. It's, it, it beggars belief sometimes, you know, to have an event like that, which has been around so long. I mean, obviously, so, so many people kind of think about Dubai in the UAE, obviously such a young, young country. And it's amazing that there's you know, been events like that going on for so long here and growing bigger and bigger by the year. And what I love the most about, I think, the Emirates uh, Dubai Rugby Sevens is the fact that even if you're not a rugby fan, there's still so much for you to, to do down there. You know, you can obviously take in the action, but there's also, you know, just so much fun to be had. And I, I always love watching the netball as well. You know, I've got a few, a few friends and that who will take part in that. And that's always a really feisty affair. There's always really close matches there. It's played to a really high high standard and you know there's just again, like I say so much to take in that you really you really do enjoy every single day and you know you got you know the the grassroots the young youngsters playing all the way through to you know some of some of the, the biggest names ever to play rugby as well who you know kind of will turn up and play for some of the local sides here which is wonderful to see raising money for charity a lot of the time so just an all-round great weekend to look forward to looking forward to that one now let's get around some of the other big stories in the world of sport get the the thoughts of the uh, boys the panelists here uh, on the grill today. Let's go to Formula One. No race for you in the world of Formula One uh, this week. But news coming out uh, from Formula One this week that uh, F1, which obviously uh, the purse strings uh, and the decisions being made over in the United States at the moment by the new owners, has an agreement in principle with the owners of the Miami Dolphins NFL Stadium to hold a race in the Florida City from 2021. It's the latest development in an attempt by F1's owners, US firm Liberty Media, to establish a race in Miami. Proposal features a new track layout, looping around the Dolphins' Hard Rock Stadium in central Miami. Good addition? Can't think of anything better, Tom. Can't think of anything better. Miami, what a fantastic place. Dolphin Stadium is phenomenal. And uh, yeah, I, I, I read about that and I think, I think this is what Formula One's becoming. It seems like they're moving away from the traditional tracks and more into the street circuits. It seems to be pulling a lot more people and I think it'll be a great, great addition to this. Because the current circuit for the US is... Texas. 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 Yeah. So could they have, could they have two races in the United States or not? Well, well, it wouldn't surprise me at the end of the day to, to your, uh, to your um, point a little bit earlier, how, you know, how, how big is the checkbook? And I think, you know, if you've got the funds to, to have it, America's a big, big country and uh, why not have one track Tra track race and one street race but to me Miami with the, the cultures and, the, and, and the, the party atmosphere down there I think it will be a fantastic addition I think the, the, the benefit they've got as well for this potential one is that the whole site that they want to carry out the Formula One race on 
is owned by one businessman, uh, which is which is key to this as well. So it, it's it's Stephen Rosso who owns obviously the Miami Dolphins NFL uh, franchise there because I think there's actually a lot of opposition to it from you know kind of local residents there. You know I know like the community leaders are perhaps not too sold on it, but then if it's all taking place on his land around the stadium where they're going to kind of build this new track, then it can only be a good thing as well. And I know that certainly he's claiming that you know around between 400. Um, around about $400 million US dollars can be made there uh, by the city itself. You know, 35,000 um, rooms will be taken in the city's hotels for the events. And it is one of those, isn't it? We know when the Etihad Airways Abu Dhabi Grand Prix takes place down the road, it's a massive event that brings in people from all around the region to come and witness it. Yeah. You know, it's a big, big deal. So it'd obviously be, be great for Miami if they were to get it there. And I think this, this plan works better because I think talks were taking place originally to hold it around the city, you know, kind of, you know, down the major major streets around the city but now this to kind of obviously appease the, the local community and government who are kind of fearful of maybe a disruption to their usual regular routine you get the best of both worlds from it and honestly the dolphins are doing so badly at the moment <laughs> they, they might as well focus on, on formula one they're, they're zero and five at this moment in time so i guess he's looking for some other revenue streams other than nfl just want to read out a little uh, uh, post on instagram and twitter that came out a little earlier on and then get your thoughts on that one uh, honestly, I feel like giving up on everything shut down completely. Why bother when the world is such a mess and people don't seem to care? I'm going to take a moment away to gather my thoughts. Thank you to those of you who do, do give a damn about the world. The wise words of Lewis Hamilton. Um, now, Lewis Hamilton has not had a bad season. OK, everything's not gone according to plan for him. But should he really be posting such negative messages? And also, uh, when he goes on and you read a little bit deeper, I'm going to be interested to get your thoughts, Danny Norton, as, a, uh, as, as, as an affirmed vegan and uh, practicing what you preach uh, mm -hmm. on that. Lewis Hamilton talking about the fact that going vegan is the only way to truly save our planet today and saying that that's the only positive in his life. Uh, posting this whilst on his private jet traveling back from a Formula One Grand Prix. Yeah, I mean, that was the thing. I noticed uh, quite a bit of uh, vitriol directed towards the uh, the F1 world champion on, on Twitter and other social media uh, sites, uh, pointing out the kind of hypocrisy about it. But <laughs> the fact is, at the end of the day, he's not wrong either. It is that, that remains the case. You know, animal agriculture is, is responsible for, you know, more uh, emissions than the whole of transport put together so he's not wrong when it comes to that but then at the same time I know it's easy for him to say when he's kind of sat on his, on his private jet and all that kind of stuff and he's racing these cars you know putting out all these fumes uh, for a living but I think the people who kind of maybe having a go for that are maybe just looking for an excuse not to, to heed the message so to speak but yeah it seems like a really strange kind of um, negative post for him to say because I mean like you say things haven't really gone his way this season it's more the last the, few races but they've won the constructors exactly he's on his way he will win he will the win world the, title exactly. again he's, there's no chance in hell that he's going to be caught so he's going to be what a sixth six time world champion I think he's obviously got his eyes on Michael Schumacher's record of I think it was uh, seven yeah. world titles which you know even though Ferrari looking at good at the moment he certainly wouldn't put it past Lewis Hamilton to, to get that in the next uh, few years so yeah strange strange post from him but yeah, obviously, I'm completely behind him when he says about going vegan is the only way to truly save our planet. And I expect all the vitriol to come to me, but bring it all on. <laughs> Interesting thoughts from a certain Lewis Hamilton. So, if you are, can I push you for a, for a comment on this I, one I, or not? I, or I, do you want to just. Yeah, I'm going to keep my thoughts to myself. Okay, I'm, I'm just so, so tired of all these things. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> do you Com comment, comment for another day. I've had a good day at rugby. <laughs> not going to upset it with these. Uh, 
vegan chats and whatever else is going on in the world at the moment. <laughs> you know, same with Formula One, though. We'll move away <laughs> from that. But you know what? One thing that I was kind of a little bit disappointed about, kind of news-wise, over the last couple of days, was it looks as though F1 is set to abandon its attempts to trial a different kind of race weekend, a different kind of format next year in 2020. There was this talk about reverse grids earlier in this week, and then there was three different Grand Prix they're going to look to bring it in, where essentially on the Saturday you have a case where you reverse the order. So obviously the championship leader, in this case, Lewis Hamilton would start from 20th position in a kind of one-off race on the Saturday to kind of determine the qualifying grid for the next day. Because it's, it, I, I liked it because it was going to mix things up a little bit more because you see time and time and time again the same people on pole position and then the race most of the time can be just a procession really whereas I think if to mix it up and mix up where people are going to start on the grid and if you are going to have the likes of Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel maybe starting around about the middle of the grid or further down it kind of adds to the challenge because obviously their cars are so superior to all the other races you need to you need to mix it up a little bit but you know I think the F1 teams have, have not really gotten behind it so no Liberty Media who obviously own the sport of Formula One now looking to maybe abandon the idea but something has to happen in the next few years to kind of liven things up a little bit I think. Indeed it does. Uh, talking of livening up, we don't need livening up down here at Barasti where the game is always on. We've got plenty to keep us uh, intrigued including early kickoff in the Premier League. Everton hosting West Ham. It's still Everton who have uh, the points uh, almost in the bag at the moment but still plenty of time left in that game. We're around the grounds after this. You're listening to The Grill. More of the biggest sports stories now. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Looking for someone to watch uh, sport this evening. Get yourself down here to Barasti. Uh, we're back outdoors, uh, and it's an absolute picture. Uh, Rugby World Cup has come to a conclusion at the quarterfinals for today, but still plenty of sporting action to get involved in, including uh, what's happening up at Goodison Park. Uh, Everton taking on West Ham at present. Danny Norton's got the details. Yes, yeah, Everton won, West Ham United nil. And now we're gone here at Goodison Park. Everton have been by far the best, uh, uh, the best side throughout this uh, game so far. Far. I think a lot of their uh, blues I've seen uh, on the old WhatsApp or on, on Twitter so describing it as their, their best Goodison performance of the season so far. A lot of hammers that I've seen as well talking about this being their worst performance of the season. I think the one thing, the one bit of disappointment for Everton is that it is just that single goal. But what a goal it was, scored by Bernard. He was fed the ball through by Theo Walcott, a beautiful disguised pass. Bernard decided not to shoot first time as he was through on goal to the right hand side of the penalty area. He decided to twist and turn instead. Initially, looked as though he was taking the ball out of play but somehow managed to wrap his foot around the ball and squeeze it past underneath uh, the West Ham goalkeeper Roberto Jimenez from an extremely tight angle. Uh, Richarlison has also put the ball into the back of net. He did that around about 10 minutes ago but that was disallowed because he was offside. So and now we're gone it remains Everton 1, West Ham United 0. Uh, there are two other games ongoing at present, uh, one in Spain and also one in the Championship. There's been goals in both of those, Dan. There certainly has, yeah. We'll start down in the Championship, may as well stick over in England. It's Blackburn 2, Huddersfield Town 1. Grant converting from the penalty spot for the visitors after 13 minutes. The lead didn't last long, only seven minutes before Lewis Holtby equalised for Rovers over at Ewa Park. He, Holtby, then turned provider, setting up Dak to put uh, the Rovers in the lead after 13 
33 minutes. It remains so far 2-1-2. Blackburn Rovers, 54 minutes gone in that one. And over in Spain, it is uh, Barcelona 3, Ibar 0 so far. And uh, all three goals have come courtesy of that star lineup up top for the Catalan Giants. Antoine Griezmann giving them uh, the lead after 10 minutes. Uh, Lionel Messi then scoring a sumptuous goal, finishing off a wonderful team move uh, by the Spanish champions uh, about 10 minutes into the second half to double their lead. And then he turned provider then for Luis Suarez to add the third five minutes later. So far, Ibar nil, Barcelona three. In the ICC World T20 qualifiers ongoing here in the UAE, Papua New Guinea have beaten Bermuda in the early game. Uh, currently, the other three live games ongoing, Namibia need 82 runs to beat uh, the Netherlands. They need it from eight overs. Uh, Scotland are taking on Kenya. Kenya needs 79 runs to win that one uh, with 7.2 overs remaining. And Nigeria need 108 runs to win from 6.2 overs uh, to prevent and deny Jersey a famous victory for them. Ireland against the UAE a little later on in proceedings. Let's talk, to, let's talk golf now. Let's uh, remind ourselves of what's going on stateside. The CJ Cup is ongoing over there, and this is what's happened to date. Third round action of the CJ Cup at nine. Bridges Danny Lee looking for win number two of his career. Chips in for birdie. Jeju Island, this beautiful nine bridges. Golf club, Jordan Speed rolling it well after a couple of early lost shots. He's bouncing back nicely. Within four of the lead at that point, Wyndham Clark right in front of the flag at the par five ninth. Bounces it off the stick and he would make the birdie getting to eight under par. Justin Thomas. 2017 winner and what a play here at the ninth this one just comes working towards the flag he would make the birdie and have a one-shot lead at 14 under Ben on off the green nice play here at 10 chipping in ties the lead with Thomas at 14 under par Wyndham Clark now looking for birdie at 13 uphill 30 feet, count it. Clark getting to 11 under, three shots off the lead as he searches for his first win. Cameron Smith, 10 under. This at the 12th for Eagle on the par five. Yes, Smith gets to 12 under, two shots off the lead. Justin Thomas, this a little bit of an awkward angle to that flag over the bunker, getting it close. This at the short par four, so that pitch would set up a birdie putt within five feet. So 15 under for Thomas, birdie at 16, and he takes it to 16 under. A three-shot lead at this point, but then Thomas with troubles at 18 as he gets a shot back, and look at Danny Lee. This one comes over that build on the side of the green, and it's in for an eagle. Tying the lead at 15 under par. So it will be Thomas and Lee in the final group on Sunday. It's difficult just keeping up with golf at the moment. Uh, obviously coming towards the end of the respective seasons. But you get all these bizarre tournaments or bizarre name tournaments as well. Uh, the CJ Cup ongoing over the States. At Nine Bridges Golf Club on Juju Island, South Korea. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense at all, does it? <laughs> anyway, Tom, what I can tell you is in the CJ Cup, it's a familiar name at the top of the leaderboard. Justin Thomas is leading at 15 under par. Him alongside Danny Lee also at 15 under par. Justin shot a fantastic second round, 63. They followed by the Australian Cameron Smith at 12 under par. Jordan Spieth 
Good to see him once again up there. He's at 11 under par. Buyong Hon An is at 10 under. And the likes of Ian Poulter at 9 under as well as Terrell Hatton at 9 under par. Turning our attention to um, Le, Golf, Le Golf National in France, should I rather say. Of course, it's the European Tour. It's the same tournament where the Ryder Cup took place. And uh, leading there is Belgium's Nicolas Coulthard. He's currently at 11 under. Tied at the top of the leaderboard by with South Africa's George see at 11 under. Richard Ramsey of Scotland at 10 under par. Then we've got Jamie Donaldson. Good to see him back. In, uh, in 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 top ten recognitioning, he's at nine under par. Martin Keimer also a blast from the past. He's at seven under par alongside Brandon Stone. Uh, news this week: the Tiger Woods says that next year's Olympics in Tokyo are a big goal as he looks to add to his decorated career. Feasible? Very feasible, but he'll struggle to make the team. If you look at currently, he's got Brooks Kipkit to contend with. He's got Dustin Johnson to contend with. He's got Ricky Fowler. He's got Jordan Spieth. He's got Justin Thomas. And you can keep naming these young Americans. So I guess it depends who decides to go out of those youngsters. And uh, I think at the end of the day, I guess it's one, one more crown he still needs to, to his fantastic career that he's already had. Tom, and uh, I think it would be great to see him at the Olympics. It will definitely add to the golf spectacle. Uh, there's plenty of tennis for us as well to get our heads around. The European Open is ongoing, as is the Kremlin Cup. What are the big stories coming out of that? Danny Norton. OK, we've got live action over in the Kremlin Cup at the moment. Local favourite Anastasia Pavlovchenkova is taking on Karolina Mucheva in the semi-final, and she's serving for the set at the moment. 5-4 up is the local favourite Pavlovchenkova, uh, as she looks to set up a final against Belinda Benchit who defeated Kristina Miladinovic earlier on today in straight sets, winning through 6-3-6-4. So like I say, Pavlovchenkova looking to set up that final against Belinda Bencic. And like you mentioned, the European Open also taking place at this moment in time. And Andy Murray is through to the semi-finals there. He will be taking on Ugo Humbert later on this evening. There's also live action over there at the moment with the number four seed Stanislas Varinka facing the Italian uh, Yannick and he is one set to love up after taking the opening set by six games to three and he's also broken early in the second set taking the first game and is currently serving at 30 points to love so Stanislas Rinka looking like he's on his way uh, to the final but how fantastic to see Andy Murray in what is his first semi-final in the world of tennis since the French Open in 2017 don't want to take too much away from Andy Murray because you know it's a miracle that he's back out on court and competing at that level but can I just say that within a sort of quotation mark, at what level as well? I mean, without being too negative against some of the players that he's played over in Antwerp in the last couple of days, I mean, Marius Kopil um, was who he beat for that place in the semi-final as well. Uh, not a household name when it comes to tennis players. Um, what are your take on, on the sort of the, the recovery of... Andy Murray, still a long way to go? Absolutely, yeah. it's, it's going to be a very, very long-term kind of thing. And, and who knows where that recovery is ultimately going to lead. I think all of us would be astounded if he gets back to the level that he was at. I don't think anyone is really expecting that from him because it was such major surgery that he underwent on his hip. The fact that he's even playing is a success in himself. And I completely get the point that you're making there. Obviously, you know, Copil, not exactly the, the biggest known star. He did defeat, though, the Uruguayan uh, Pablo Cuevas, who I suppose more of our listeners will be familiar with in uh, the round of 16, a 6-4, 6-3 win for Murray then. But it's just the case, I suppose, of just getting into the action. You know, actually just getting around, just swinging that, that, that racket, just getting out onto the court, just moving around, feeling himself out, getting used to basically his new hip 
essentially and, and, and how it works and maybe making slight adaptions to the former style that he used to have and every victory that he gets is going to be a big boost to him as he looks to get back to that level that he was once at where he was obviously considered once one of the big four alongside you know the likes of Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic obviously not being as successful as them but you know you know multiple time three time Grand Slam winner double time Olympic gold medalist and you know obviously has lost many a Grand Slam final as well but only because the kind of talent he's been up against the names that I've just mentioned there so I think any any victory that he has in whatever tournament is only only good news in this early stage of his recuperation. You mentioned Roger Federer there and I suppose uh, Carlos I mean I don't need to ask you about where your allegiances lie when it comes to the world of tennis but if Andy Murray needed any more inspiration that he has already he just needs to look to Roger Federer I mean you look at the sort of longevity of the man the fact that Federer this week confirmed he will play Roland Garros next year he's already made that commitment already which shows Show, well, it gives you a little insight into sort of the commitment of the man, the fact that he's already put that as one of his goals for next year. Yeah, absolutely. I think Roger Federer, you spoke about Tiger Woods in the Olympics early on. Roger Federer also said he will be playing in the 2020 Olympics. It's funny to, to think that Roger Federer actually hasn't won an Olympic gold medal. The last time he played in the final was, of course, against Andy Murray, where Andy Murray beat him at, uh, at Wimbledon to, to win the 2012 Olympics. So I think it'll be interesting to see Roger coming back. I think that will be one of his goals to win the gold medal. And uh, I'm not too sure what the surface will be in the Olympics, but of course, the French will be a good, should I say, practice or preparation for that Olympics, which happens next year, June, July. So I think Roger Federer, as you say, Tom, if he can keep himself fit, he's still very, very competitive. I mean, he was one point away from winning Wimbledon uh, Wimbledon last year and in every single tournament that he's played he's always got to the latter stages so to me he's still good enough to play he's just got to keep himself fit and pray that there's no injuries Federer made the final at Wimbledon this year is that right? Yeah lost to Novak Djokovic and yes. that uh, kind of thriller yeah match point yeah, happened match to take place on the oh, same day of the, uh, sure. the Cricket World Cup final did, did as well it, Was anyone watching that or <laughs> not? You know, uh, <laughs> flicking between the two as well flicking between yeah. did, Didn't England draw, draw, draw the Cricket World Cup? <laughs> oh, apparently <laughs> so yeah <laughs> Oh really? Uh, we're going to take a short break now. Uh, when we come back, though, we will be building up ahead of the six o'clock kickoffs in the English Premier League. Uh, team news coming through to us, so we'll put you in the picture uh, of all of those 6 pm kickoffs as Premier League and European League action returns after the international break. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.